0: Welcome back to my podcast, Stephen Sully Study, Jackson. Yes. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for jumping on the train from Wigan, coming down <laughs> to London, and uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, interview. So, Jackson Feely, uh, 28 years of age. Yes. This is quite different to any of the podcasts I've done before. I've got by the time this comes out, this will be over 200. It might even be the the, the 200th yeah. episode. I've interviewed boxers. I've interviewed athletes. I've interviewed entrepreneurs. I've interviewed <laughs> a lot of people who people would deem as like either successful go getters strivers, people that are in the public domain. But i never interviewed anyone that has transitioned from one gender to another. Yeah. And I love learning. I love talking to human beings. And I love finding out why they do certain things, why they think certain things, and why they're on this, their own mission. So. Yeah. I know you reached out and I at the moment I started reading your message and listening to your voice notes, I thought, yeah, a very compelling story. And I think this should have a platform where people can listen to it and then kind of talk about it and even yeah. debate and also, you know, raise, raise questions and just figure out their own life as well. Yeah, there's like gonna 100%. Be, there's going to be people out there. So in your own words then, okay, um, why don't you
1: introduce yourself <laughs> and explain kind of why you want to share this story? Um, Well, like you said, my name's Jax. Um, Coming up to about 18 months ago now, I made the decision to transition from female to male, Um, and that is because I reached a point in my own life where I was absolutely ready to die if I didn't do that. Um, I suppressed it for a long, long time. I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that there was something not quite right. Um, and it took me to get to the age of around 26 to start really figuring out what that was. Um, so I went down many different avenues before getting to that point, and, and once I got to that point, it, it wasn't going away. So as terrified as I was, it was, you know, I do this, or I give up completely, and I reached a point where I thought, well, I've got this amazing family, I've got amazing friends, you know, I'm a prison officer, I love my job, and... Um, I, you know, I, I was I was looking at myself and I was thinking, I don't want to die, but I don't want to live anymore. And it's what do you do with that? Mm. What What do you do with that? I don't want to die, but I don't want to live anymore. Mm. So that was the that was the conflict, and I and I made the decision. Right, well, I'll, I'm going to do this. I'm going to transition, and if it fails, I'm ready to go. But luckily, it's been the best, most terrifying, but the best 18 months of my life. So that is why I'm now trying to be visible for, you know, whether that's children who need to see someone who represents them or how they're feeling or parents to reassure them that their child, you know, isn't a freak or isn't going to lose everything in life or you know just to show people that you can still have a life you can still have a career you can still have a relationship you can still have friends you can Mm -hmm. still have everything and your life doesn't have to be over because when you're looking at that potential that potentially being your life of transitioning it really is the most terrifying thing that you could go through like if you know i told you i was ex-military if you could put me on a plane flying into iraq and going back and working in a prison transition from female to male that is the most terrifying thing that I could ever tell you you could go through but for me my message to anybody is when it feels scary to jump you jump otherwise you stay in the same place your entire life and that's what I'm trying to trying to do so I massively appreciate the opportunity to to talk and get, get the message out, and I'm sure there'll be plenty negative as well as plenty positive, but we've got to have these conversations. Definitely,
0: definitely. So. It's an absolute pleasure, Jackson. Um So the first question that comes to mind is, like, when I've seen pictures and obviously doing a bit of research, you look like, you looked like before previously, as Jess, am I right? Yeah. Like a just a happy... You know, female, and you look like just just like a like a textbook kind of female, yeah. um, and it's almost like from an outsider. Bar, if you were to look at your TikTok and explain, you know, how you explain explain in in your videos, like the white way you've done what you've done, etc. But to most people, it's like, but but you're happy. You look happy. Yeah. So what's the what's the big difference between looking happy and actually being happy in your opinion?
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> Obviously, for someone transitioning, you want the outside to match the inside. Um, but in terms of being being happy, for me, I was always that um, smiley. Put you know, people. I was known for my smile. I was. I think Jess was Jess was desperate to be happy. Jess really wanted to be happy, but I realised obviously that Jess was never going to be happy. And I think I always put a massive front on. I put a big mask on, and I think that's because I didn't want anybody else to ever feel like I was feeling like I I always wanted to make sure that everyone around me felt good and you know I wouldn't like it if someone if I felt like someone didn't have a good time when they were with me and I was always very like out there and sort of um, a bit daft and you know taking the mic or trying to make people laugh or you know I, I was I've always been very open with you know I love my friends and I'm tactile and I'm I'm just like a people person, um, but that would only last for so long. So, you know, I could keep it up for a shift at work and then I'd go home and be a miserable sod or, you know, and I'd change like that. So I could keep it up for a certain amount of time when I was around people or when I was in work and I was in uniform and I, I was hiding behind, or we was out and I was drunk and I could hide behind things, but I could never keep that up for a sustained period of time. So the times when people did see me, whether that was you know at work or on a night out or on a picture or whatever you'd see this really happy person who you know you would think was full of life and and really happy with themselves and motivated and and all these things but you know deep down there was a massive level of anxiety and depression and for a long time i didn't know what that was um so Obviously sorry in answer to your question, you can look like the most like the happiest person in the world and, and usually it's the people who are the most upset and sad who generally look like the happiest people in the world because mm. I think they mask it so well.
0: Mm. But, so you was in the military yeah. as
1: as Jess for four years. Yeah. You served in Iraq? So I did a I did a tour. Um, I was part of a, a tactical police squadron. So what we did was we was based in Cyprus, and every sort of every day and night we we would fly in and out and and do several different things. So, um, yeah, back and forth. Like obviously, I can't say loads, but yeah, back and forth and in and out. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I loved the military. I loved I loved it. But
0: yeah, good good time over the four years.
1: Oh God, yeah. Like I would advise anyone, you know, any. Anyone, especially, you know, as a teenager, late teens, thinking about, you know, a career. The military is is amazing in bringing you out of that box of, you know, the small town living and people not really thinking there's anything else in the world. And it makes you grow up, as you can imagine. It makes you grow up quick and it teaches you discipline and structure. And for me, it gives me a massive sense of belonging. And um, I joined when I was 19. And I absolutely loved it. You know, it was one of the best decisions I made because it does show you the rest of the world. And I think a lot of people, that gets very stuck in the box, don't they? And they, yeah. they think, well, I've just got to stay in this town where I was born and, and do what everybody else is doing and do what society says I should do. And yeah. I think the military is great in bringing people out of that and showing you that, you know... I mean, for me at the time, it showed me that I, I could be a gay woman and I could... Be a, you know, a rugby player at the time, and I could go and do all these things in the military and travel the world and belong to something incredible. So it mm. gave me a massive sense of, a sense of pride when I was when I was in, and I'm I'm yeah. very proud to have been a part of it.
0: So like, because I was going to say this, like the army I was going to join the Marines when I was younger. I actually applied, and then I got spoke out of it. And I spoke about this a few times on my podcast, and I've I got talked out of it by my mum and dad. Yeah. That's obviously a separate conversation, but one thing was going to was drawing me to it is the lifestyle, like traveling the world. Yeah. I, I love keeping fit. I box. Um, I've always been into the gym or playing different sorts of sports, and I thought that would bring the best out in me. And I've heard it so many times that you know people go to the military and it does bring the best out in them. And I'm a big believer that if you t- change your surroundings and your environment that can actually lead on to a much more fulfilled life. Yeah. And even the way you were talking there about the the military, I could even tell by the tonality and the way your posture was, it, it kind of like you felt, re- you seemed really upbeat about it. Oh, yeah. And it, it was a little bit difficult for me to, don't know whether it's emph- empathize or simplify, I don't know what the right word is, but I've never really suffered so much from like depression or thinking I needed to kind of change who I was. Yeah. Obviously there are moments where I feel fearful, I feel anxiety, I feel slight depression. But I think the blessing I've always had is I know it's short lived and then I it goes into something yeah. else. And usually when I get into the gym or into a boxing yeah, ring yeah. or, or I make a, a sale or I do a really good podcast with a cool guest, yeah. I feel upbeat like again, you know, and you go through those those cycles. And the what I'm trying to get to in a roundabout way is as Jess and you were kind of being fulfilled with the with the military and travelling and stuff and you're playing rugby, and everything else, didn't you just feel at that point maybe like look I I'm I'm a female feeling great and maybe what I was thinking was yeah. I don't know, don't know what the right word is. Maybe it was like I'm 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 thinking too much into it uh but clearly not because it must have lingered around for so long that you thought yeah. well, you know what no matter what i'm doing yeah, yeah. i'm just feeling down
1: <laughs> yeah yeah basically so the the aspects of, of the, the gender transition didn't really come into play until about two years ago now so my whole time in the military that was not something that was in my mind um but yeah, you know, when you've been part of something like that, it does it. it makes your shoulders go back. You know, it, for me, I was so I was proud of that, and uh, you know, I'm very proud of that now. And I'm I'm the same with the prison service. You know, I, I think I've always been like that when it comes to a uniform and a service. Um, yeah, because it, it is. It does give you that sense of pride, and I think that's right. You know, it's you're doing something for your country, and it's it's amazing. But and it, it made me very happy for a long time. And you know, when when I joined, I was. I was struggling um, at that time before I did like 18, 19 years old at home because I was trying my best to be that 18 year old girl, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from Wigan and what everyone else was doing. You go out every weekend and, you know, jeans and a nice top and, you know, six inch heels and, you know, my hair was down my back and I was trying so hard to be that person. Yeah. And, but I didn't know I was doing that so i can look back now and think oh my god like you were trying so hard to be that person so like overcompensating yeah, just almost yeah just um like forcing it a bit yeah like when i look now and I, and i see i see pictures i think you are so uncomfortable and i i can see it now looking back but back then i just thought that i was struggling with my mental health and i was just i had this element of anxiety and at that time as well, I hadn't come out as gay either. So I was I was trying to figure that out. So I was just in this world of trying to be this 18-year-old girl who was, you know, trying to date men and, and trying to be this girl from Wigan. And it was just the complete polar opposite to who I am. Um, but at that age and at that time, I didn't know what it was. It's just this, it was just this feeling like from being a baby, I think I've just had this feeling of, anxiety like my mum says you know there's just always been an element of anxiety there even from being a baby and being given a bottle and the the um the label Avent, and I would like spin it around and have to put my thumb on the A, you know like weird little things like yeah. that that there was just an element of anxiety and over something um and sorry I've lost my train of thought what was I talking about then <laughs> no, yeah so like you know trying to figure out because like Going back
0: to like the simple version, not of of your story, but let's just say someone who is trying to figure out who they are in life, and let's say they're female or male doesn't doesn't matter, and they feel that they're in a pattern of depression. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people like that, especially now with yeah, the age of social massively. media. They're just trying to figure out where they fit into the world, and I yeah. totally get that. Like going back to when I was younger the blessing and the curse is there was no such thing as social media. Therefore, I could look at someone and go, oh, that sounds like a good, good conversation. They sound yeah. like they're doing something really good. I want to follow that path. The downside to to, to not having that is I didn't, wasn't exposed to it. But then the upside to it, because I wasn't exposed to it, you kind of weren't feeling like, oh, that person's doing yeah. really well. And I'm like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, 100%, 100%. So you've got that aspect of it. But in my experience, I do a lot with... Uh, a community in Bromley Danham for Bromley and Danham uh, abc which is amateur boxing club which helps the young kids develop their yeah. their skills because in personally what i found from boxing is boxing brings the best out in people if you choose to dedicate yourself to yeah. hard work um self belief you know confidence etc and i've seen a lot of timid maybe to depressed or uncertain children that find the boxing club and then they sadly fall in love with it and they find this new yeah. lease of life. And it that that sometimes can solve that one aspect yeah. of mental health and also yeah. depression. But how the hell would you know that, well, look, I've put this kid through boxing, I've taken him to a new country, they've gone done this, they've done that you know what the answer is, they need to change their gender. Like, like where, where the hell does that come from? Because typically, typically it would be, you know, get them in into <laughs> no. sport or something like that. Where, where is that last box? Oh, Nate, honestly,
1: take? like it's been a world of chaos, absolute world of chaos. Um, and I know what you're saying, you know, a lot of people that um, are struggling with depression and anxiety, especially the younger population now, where they see social media and they think, well, you know, you've got that, and you've got that, and you're doing that. So I must be doing shit, and it's it just it does it depresses you, doesn't it? Because people obviously only post the positive, and that's why I'm trying to do what I'm doing. But um, yeah, there is a if if someone is struggling, I think a lot of a lot of reasoning behind depression and anxiety, in my opinion, is lack of mental stimulation, because if. And well, physical as well, because if you if you put someone into a situation where they're dedicating themselves to something like boxing or a sport or or something that they're passionate about, it gives people a purpose, and I think that's the big thing that that drives people into feeling so down. They feel like they've got no purpose. They feel like they've got no worth. You know why? What what do I need to get up in the morning for? Mm. And you know, I've just I've recently just had surgery, and I was off work for two months, and and I was in that slippery slope again because you you know I'm not just because I'm so used to working or yeah. you know using my brain or getting up and doing something so as soon as you feel like you there's nothing for you to get up for I think it's it, you massively start slipping down that, that slide yes. it's but lack of mental and stimu, m- mental and physical stimulation is massive and people just sit there scrolling through TikTok or Instagram or whatever and you know might get a little bit motivated but then don't know anything about it and and they'll just sit and feel like shit. Yeah. But if you put something, put yourself into something and find your passion and work to find that passion and think, well, it's okay if I try a million different things and fail, but one thing I'll try and I'll fall in love with it and, and I can I can make something of that. Yeah. You know, and that will give me some sort of pride and worth. Because and- I know it's such a
0: recent thing. It's like, if I would have been, if I was speaking to you like 10 years from now, yeah. Yeah. And you've got that whole kind of case study and that that experience of being Jackson yeah. and fulfilling your life in loads of different areas. I'm not saying the conversation is going to be totally different, but because it's so like fresh, it's like only a couple of years ago, you yeah. decided to do it. My devil's advocate kind of thing here is, how do we not know that there could have yeah. been something else, not boxing, but something yeah. else out there that could have brought the best out in Jess? Yeah that would have made her feel fulfilled. Yeah. Therefore not taking the decision to yeah. change your, your gender. Would yeah. you believe that that other thing doesn't exist? You had to be Jackson.
1: Yeah, no, I had to be Jackson and I only figured that out because I tried everything, everything to fill Jesse's void. And that, that, that is, is the answer to your question. I think, you know, you, if someone's feeling low and depressed and anxious and whatever, and you can find them passion and it, and it, helps them sorts them out then it wasn't it wasn't depression it was lack of passion and stimulation and something something that you, you love wanting to have a purpose but if you go and do things that you love and you're slowly losing the love and losing the attention and becoming really down like constantly and not being able to fill that void then that's when there's something more and then you have to figure that out and That's kind of what I did, which is why my mom and dad must have been driven crazy by me because they think they thought that I was so impulsive and just causing chaos all the time. Like when I was 14, I decided I need to move school. Because I had it in my head that I just I needed to move school, I needed to start again, I needed to be the real me, yeah, whatever that means. So I convinced my mum at 14 that I needed to move school. There was no problem with my school whatsoever, I was was doing fine, I had loads of mates, I was playing sport, I was absolutely nothing wrong at all. But in Jesse's head, I I need to move school, I'm not happy, I need a fresh start. So I moved school, put my mum and dad through all of that, and I was there for two months, I want to go back, yeah, and then and then luckily I, they let me and I moved back and what is that that's mm. just ridiculous mm. and I, and it, it was things like that you know I, I finished school and went to college and then I decided I was going to university two months quit mm. more money down the drain you know and then what else well, I'll just work in I was working in total fitness at the time I'll just work in total fitness because you know going to the gym makes me feel good and I addi- just get addicted to little things that, you know, any little thing that would make me feel good, I would detach myself to and go, no, I need to do this all the time. I need to do that and be around that person because that, that makes me feel good. And it was like, I was, I was just desperate to feel okay. And, um, obviously I made the decision to, to join the IAF And when I did that felt like the, the, I've done it. So I found it. I'm all right. I'm 19. You know, I, I found this job that is, you know, military. It's a masculine role. It's because it's I was always a tomboy, you know, loved my sport and whatever else. I can play sport. I can be in uniform. I can feel tough. I can, I can do, you know, it challenges me mentally. I can do all these things. I can travel the world. Mm. It gives me, Everything. And then especially when I joined and I, you know, I realized I was gay and I, I joined at the time a gay woman and I, I joined the rugby team and I was a, surrounded by women who were like me, you know, quite um, like tomboy women, you know, we play rugby and a lot of them are, were were gay women and they're all very similar. So to me then I was like, no, I've sorted it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm in the military forever. It, I'm, and I was so happy but again it was like anything it was just filling a void and as soon as i got bored i would just dip again and it and it was because it was a it was such a suppressed emotion Mm. that i didn't even know was happening so the military because it was a massive life change and amazingly you know i loved it 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 kept me going for two three years and then boom just something switched and i was that void run its course and mm. I wasn't oh, okay again mm. and then I just made the the impulsive decision you no know, I'm, I'm done I need to go home I'm leaving I'm I need to go and be at home I need to go and be with my mom and, it, and my mental health just took a nosedive over the pe- a period of 12 months like it had before and it just depends on what you do to try and fill that void so you know go, going to uni only lasted two months Joining the military lasted four years it's and then it would just come back and if if you're not authentic and honest with yourself it it will it just creep it'll just creep up on you even if you don't know what it is mm. so obviously at the time i didn't know what it was and um when i did decide to leave i came back off tour and uh I, I i was at home for a couple of months and i'd literally just did not leave my mum's side for months for a couple of months and i went shopping with her i went hairdressing with her i was like crying all day every day couldn't look anyone in the eye I didn't know what I didn't know what to wear I stopped looking after myself I, and then at that point you just think you're just depressed you know you've just been on tour you, you live in a different you know you struggle anyway because it's a completely different day-to-day life um and I just kind of just thought that's what it was I just thought I've just got bad mental health and that was the point where um, I ended up going seeing a doctor then and talking about how I was feeling and ending up on you know antidepressant and anxiety medication and whatever. Which which I still take now, whether I need them or not, I, I don't know. But so um, and that kind of that was the road I went down. That's what I thought it was. Um, and I, I I went straight into the prison service after that. After I, after I joined them after I left the military, and that then gave me another you know, challenge new uniform, new people, new whatever. And then and it just, it was just like a cycle like that. So it's just filling a void. If, if, if there's something really wrong, you will just fill a void for however many years you're willing to. And then you'll just reach a point where people will either stay depressed forever and, mm. you know, just go down that hole, give up on life or make a decision to change. Mm. And luckily I got to that point.
0: Yeah. Um, like you said... Tell people, me to shut up, by the way, if I'm... No, no, it's, it's all good stuff. <laughs> you know, like um, you were just saying, like, it's filling in the voids. There's a lot of people that I know who, who have, um, without realizing it, they mm. got addicted to drinking way too much and it's actually sent them over the edge. Um, there's also people who've been addicted to drug, drugs or both. Yeah. And then there's self-harm. And yeah. then sometimes people go beyond that and they actually do commit suicide and kill themselves, take their own life. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about drinking and stuff and putting on a bit of a front when yeah. you used to be Jess and trying to be happy but really you, you were down uh, drinking, drugs was there ever a point where you felt you wanted to actually take your own life and kill yourself
1: yeah I've, I've definitely reached those points before um, in terms of drinking drugs um, drugs I've, I've I've never touched drugs because I've always had a massive fear of my own mind so for me, drugs was always something that I can't because I'm already scared of this. I can't, I can't not be in control of it. So that has been always been something I've kind of stayed away from. But drinking, you know, the military and then it's it's a drinking culture and you, you, that's that kind of made makes you feel happy and makes you feel confident and it just helped with my mask. But it, it never really became something that I was doing all the time. Um, I definitely reached a point where I couldn't drink without having some sort of emotional breakdown or, you know, battering the wall or having some sort of just crying my eyes out because there was something going on or I weren't feeling okay. Um, but in terms of of suicidal thoughts, um, I definitely reached periods throughout my life of of feeling that low. Um, but more so when in probably the last six months of 2020, when I sort of really started to think, You know what, I need to, I'm going to have to either transition or something because I can't, you know, I can't carry on with this. I was, I was still being a prison officer and when you're feeling like that and you're feeling so unhappy and angry at the world, it is the easiest place in a prison to cause an argument or have a fight or, you know just turn into a dickhead officer and I was always a really good prison officer and I I, I I build a good rapport with the lads and you know want to help people change their life and that environment just is not great when you're in a bad place yourself so I kind of started deteriorating over those six months and management and and whatnot started to realize that I was changing and weren't really I was becoming someone who you didn't really want to be around. I was just, I was argumentative and I was just ready to, you know, when you're just ready to go all the time because something not right. And, um, so obviously when I made that decision to, to come out to my family and, and whatnot, I had to reach a point where I do this or I die. And, you know, like I said to you before, you, you, I don't want to die, but I don't want to live anymore. So there needs to be a decision somewhere. There needs to be something. Something has to change because this isn't fit. This something isn't right. This isn't fitting. You know, and I was, I'd spent the 12 months previous watching YouTube videos about transitioning and just being completely hooked on this and thinking this is who I am, but having an unbelievable amount of embarrassment and shame about it and no one should ever be embarrassed or ashamed about who they are. And of not. Yeah. obviously now I'm, I'm obviously not that. But at the time I was, I was just, I was just embarrassed and ashamed. I thought, I can't do that. I can't, I can't go and tell, I can't go and look my dad in the eyes and say, I'm going to, I'm going to have a sex change. You know, I can't, What? I can't do that. It's, and it was just terrifying and it was just, I felt like I'm going to ruin everyone else's life. And I'm going to put my family through that. And I've done nothing but cause chaos anyway for the last 27 years with everything else I've been trying to do. I can't do that now. But then on the other hand, you know, we've always been such a close family. You know, my mum, my dad, and I have a sister and a brother. And we've always been so close as a unit. And I didn't want to leave them. And I didn't want to do that to them either. And, you know, I I had everything. Jess had everything. And I put a lot of guilt on myself for feeling so low because when you feel like that, you you wonder why. And especially when you look at your life and people, you know, people say the standard things, you know, look, think about what you've got. Think about everything you've got. Think about everything you've got going for you and whatever else. And it's probably the worst thing to say to someone feeling like that. But when you do look at it, Jess, Jess had everything. There was no reason for Jess to be sad. Mm. But yeah, so there just had to be a decision. so I, I obviously made that decision and thought, right, I'm not okay, so I'm gonna do this. And when I did finally come out and I, I made a YouTube video to tell everybody, and I was off sick from work at the time. I wanted to just run away. Mm-hmm. And when I did make that that video and tell everyone, I had an overwhelming amount of support and love, and it was absolutely incredible. you know, at, at the time I'd gone off sick from work and ran away to Brighton. And just, just fucked off and just thought, I need to go, I need to go and hide. You know, I can't do this in Wigan. I can't let people watch me do this. I can't. So, um, when people saw that video and my friends um, and everyone will uh, will say it to me now and admit that they will, they looked at me then and thought, well, you've got what you want now. You know, you're doing this, you're doing it. Like, you should be happy now. Mm. And... Little did I realise that after coming out, it had to get a hell of a lot worse before mm. it then got better. Mm. Um, and that was when I'd started to have serious suicidal thoughts and horrendous dreams. And, you know, I'm sat and I'm I'm in Brighton on my own with my two dogs and I'm cutting their tea and I'm, I'm panicking because I've got a knife in my hand and putting it down. I'm thinking, why? Why am I panicking? Because I've got a knife in my hand. You know, I don't. I don't want to die. So why am I having? So why am I having intrusive thoughts? Why am I having dreams that I, that are terrifying the life out of me? Why am I thinking? Why am I thinking like that? And it was because when I'd come out, and you know, like anybody who goes through something like this and I'd built such an identity of Jess I'd lost everything I felt like I'd lost everything I felt like I'd lost Jess's identity but I hadn't figured out who Jax was yet and that in between stage of of beginning to transition and trying to figure out who you were but then feeling like well I've lost everything that Jess was you know I'm not I, I was I was this strong athletic ex-military gay woman you know, and who was dead happy around everyone else and daft and whatever else. And I just felt like I'd lost all that. And then I had no idea who Jax was. You know, no one was calling me Jax then. I was still she. I was, if anything, I'd been called a man my entire life. And as soon as I came out transitioning, I'd started being called a woman everywhere I went because I must have just looked like a female with a shaved head. And for... (laughs) 20 odd years prior, I'd gone out in a dress and heels and her down my back and had people coming up to me in pubs like, are you a bloke? And I'm just like, I can't win here. I just, <laughs> but that that in-between stage, that awkward, you know, who am I? What am I doing? How do I look? What do I wear? You know, I'm, you know, I'm strapping my boobs down with tape. I'm feeling like the most uncomfortable I've ever felt, but I'm meant to be happy because I've told everyone now. So I can't exactly pretend to, I can't hide behind Jess anymore because I've told everyone but then I still look very much like Jess. I've just cut me her. You know, everyone knows I've, you know, I've still got boobs and I've got a different voice and I've not even started hormones then and that in-between stage of of, of trying to figure that out was the worst time of my life and at that point, that is when I got to a point where I was like, I, you know, I I was scared. Do you
0: know the dreams that you said? Yeah. Could you elaborate on it? Like what what was going on? Like you were literally killing yourself yeah. in the dreams. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just that I can't I can't remember detail, but I just remember waking up wet through and thinking I've just killed myself in that dream, and it and it just kept happening, and I was thinking, I'm four hours away from home. I've moved to this place because I thought, you know, Brighton, everyone accepts everyone in Brighton. It's, you know, a bit land of the odd, and I love it there and it's, it's everything. But because of COVID, it was kind of like shut and it just sort of became quite lonely. And I, I just realized that I, I needed my support system. You know, you can't, I haven't done this on my own and you can't do this on your own. Mm. You, you really can't. But initially I just thought I need to just run away. I just need to go and hide. I don't want people to watch me in this vulnerable state of this, this in between pile of shit that I think I'm Mm. in because I just felt like a freak. Mm. I just felt like no one's ever gonna love me again. No one's ever gonna want to be in a relationship with me, you know, no, I'm not gonna be able to have a career. I felt like I couldn't go back to the prison service. I couldn't be a prison officer and go back after and be a man now after they've known me as Miss Feely for four years. I can't go back into the worst place in the world in in that Mm. aspect. And I was, just a, I was just a complete mess. And I just thought, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I realized that my friends and my family wanted to be there for me. And it was me not letting them be there um, because I was so ashamed and I was so embarrassed. And I think it was a constant conflict of you need to do what you want to do. But you actually have so much shame in it that you don't, that you're kind of still contemplating not living.
0: You know, like I said earlier,
1: I said like my simple
0: mind, and it's not a simple thing that you've gone through, but my simplistic way of kind of analysing it, if I'm not talking to you right now, but just thinking about a, a very similar scenario, let's just say a kid I always go back to like the children because maybe they're trying to find their way in life. And just like myself, I didn't know what I was going to do late, later on. Fortunately, fam podcasting four years ago that stimulates me this great business this great yeah. artist I do boxing I feel like I get a lot of fulfillment don't get me wrong there's still days where I get low periods but there's also moments in there no low period days where I get massive highs and it's just a constant roller coaster yeah and every time I speak to whoever it may be whether someone's an athlete or an entrepreneur or a public figure they all go through very, very similar sort of uh, cycles and emotions. But sometimes someone gets it so extreme that they feel like they have to do something quite radical. So anyway, like, you know, so if, like if my own son came to me, he's only three years of age, but, you know, later on in life, he felt a little bit down. I would try and find something like the boxing to stimulate him. But then the next answer, which you just touched on earlier, is when you were a female but you didn't realize you were gay you were trying to date men and yeah. then you suddenly started dating women and then that sometimes usually is the answer because yeah. i've known guys right yeah. who have been g- gay all their life or in their mind but they've they've never gone out with a fella yeah. another another guy because their family forbids it so yeah. i know a guy who is turkish and he's never come out but it's clear as day that he is <laughs> yeah he's never had a girlfriend he comes across this gay, but he can't admit any, he, and he's in this bit bit of a trap yeah. because he feels like his his environment, his family would put a lot of pressure on him. Now I'm pretty sure if they accepted it and said, "Yeah, that's fine, that's totally fine," yeah. which it is, then I think his life would be a lot more fulfilled, yeah. and he would step out of that feeling like he was worthless and depressed, yeah. etc. But then again, like to have that fur box where. No, actually, that didn't do it. You need to, you need to transition. <laughs> I and, feel
1: sorry for my mum and dad. <laughs> yeah,
0: and like again, the, I want to choose my and carefully here because like I've never had a conversation like this, no, Jackson, it's okay. It's okay. Or, on the podcast or, or or with someone. I'm just trying to again always try and play devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, I think what you've done is heroic, and I feel like what you've done is amazing for yourself. But could I turn around to like maybe going back to my son, right? Ten years time, yeah. and he says, "Right, I've done all this. It hasn't worked. I've felt like I might be gay. That hasn't worked. I now want to transition to a female." I'm like, not, "No, no, mate. Like, what? what No, no." And I'll, I'll be like, "No, you, that, that's just not possible, mate. Like, I, I, I would, I would be like that, just, just as a, as a dad." And yeah. I know it's quite comical, but. There could be real conversations like that being had with the 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 mums, the dads, the daughters, the the yeah. sons, and it's such a difficult thing to say. You know what? Yeah, crack on with that. Yeah, because there might be scenarios which I have read as well when I was doing research into yourself. I didn't. I didn't uh, write down all the names, but there are people that have transitioned. And after five or ten and years, they are. Like, oh my fucking god! I shouldn't yeah. have done this. Yeah. And now they feel trapped. And some of them transition back. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a whole new podcast. Yeah. That we could talk yeah, about at some yeah. other point. <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to get at is, I I feel, and this is why I've agreed to do the podcast with you. This is so important that people like you need to be listened to because you're going to help a lot of people make that transition and make that that yeah. that that jump, which I think is great. But there is a danger which is if you pull that trigger too early where there could have been other solutions yeah. that might encourage someone to do something they shouldn't have. Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't be doing maybe. No, I 100% know what you're saying.
1: Yeah. 100%. And, and I think it's, it's so important to let just, especially when it comes to kids to, to try and not gendify things. And it, it is sort of, a lot better than it used to be. Um, and, you know, the majority of, of boys are going to like certain things. The majority of girls are going to like certain things, but I just think children or anyone should just have the freedom to do what they want. You know, if, of course. you know, if, if it's like, it's like, you know, in, in clothes shops and there's, you know, a boys section and a girls section.
0: Blue and pink.
1: Yeah. Click. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just, I always felt so uncomfortable shopping. I, I, I used to hate shopping ever since being a kid because I I never felt comfortable in the girl's bit, but I couldn't go in the boy's bit because I was a girl. And so I felt uncomfortable in both. And it it puts you in such a situation where I just, the amount of times I'd just storm out of shops and end up crying and and just feel so uncomfortable. And for me, that's why I know this is right because I look back now and I see all these things and I think, this is where i belong this is where i belong you know and and that's been happening in it's like when people come out as gay and you and you look back and you think well yeah you've always been gay you can see the little thing there's there's little aspects of people's mm. personality and identity that you you see um before someone you know comes out as gay or, or whatever but especially with gender and with me even my mum now will look back and think absolutely you know from from the beginning but yeah, I mean, I can understand, especially with parents as well, it's fear. You know, I was 27 when I told my mum and dad and they were still completely blown out of the water, you know. So shocked and afraid and scared and probably a bit angry, you know, because as much as, as, much as someone doesn't die, you have to grieve a person. And I've tried to go into this, with the most understanding, open mind as possible because it doesn't just affect me. Like, my transition affects my whole environment. It affects my family. It affects my friends. It affects my colleagues. It affects everybody. And I've always tried to be so understanding, especially to my family and, you know, my mum my dad and my siblings because they've had a daughter and a sister for, for 27 years, you know. My mum and my dad chose that name. They chose Jessica. They, they chose that, you know, that's who the little girl was and, you know, they've had this vision for however long I've been alive that this is their daughter and they've been calling me she and they've been calling me Jess and they brought me into the world and that's who I was and, you know, I don't know whether my dad's thought about walking me down the aisle or, you know, things like that that you think about as as a dad if, you know, if you have a daughter or things like that. So, I've always tried to be understanding towards them because, you do, you have to grieve a person, you have to grieve Jess, even though Jess isn't gone, and I mean, even I've had to grieve Jess in in, in a sense, because part part of that, you know, that identity is, is gone, but the way I tried to explain it to my mum and dad, because they, they struggled at first, you know, they, they massively struggled, because it's hard, it's hard to get read around, and mm. they panicked that it would be the wrong decision, but I couldn't say anything other than I need you to be on board with this because it's either a dead daughter or a living son. What do you want? You know, it's your child. And it. I'm still the same person. You know, I've, Jess is still here. Jess can come. Jess can come on this journey with me. You know, I, I'm probably more feminine now as Jax than I was as Jess because I'm okay and I can embrace it and I can be who I am. Mm. But I just couldn't have Jess be the image anymore. I couldn't have Jess be at the forefront because something isn't clicking. It's it's not right. And I, you know, it's it's time to be happy and it's time to. I feel like I feel like I've always had Jess and Jacks like this, mm. and I've just gone like that and just put Jess put Jacks at the at the front um, and just made it that image. Mm. And never since since I have started to sort of come into my own again. Even my mom says to me now, she's like, I can see the light back in your eyes. I can see the sparkle back in your eyes. You know, you you always used to light up a room and mm. you, you do again and you're you, you getting that back and yeah. you're getting that, that little spark and that little, you know, that that bit of life, of life about your back. And the, so you can see, I always say you can't see the weight on someone's shoulders until it's gone. And that's, that's that's massive like I, I always say at work and I talk a lot to the to the prisoners who I work with about changing their lives in that way and you if you don't deal with it it's just going to get heavier and heavier yeah
0: so uh like it's an interesting story speaking to someone in the military it's an interesting talk, story talking to someone who's working in a prison service it's an interesting story <laughs> to figure out someone's come out of you know mental <laughs> mental health challenges it's interesting the story talk about somebody said like now i'm gay and now it's an even <laughs> more interesting story to talk about somebody's changed gender and you put all that into one podcast and we've got we've yeah got, we got something which is yeah mind-blowing to be honest oh, uh, and it's a, it's a very I'm glad i'm not
1: boring you <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's
0: it's 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 in my natural reaction is say it's a crazy journey but Life is meant to be a bit like that. Yeah. It's meant to. It shouldn't be no. just textbook because if it is, it's just. It yeah. is a bit. It shouldn't it be is, easy, should it? A bit it, is, it is boring. It is boring. But this, I've got to um, say, it's like a different level of trying to find your <laughs> your meaning and your purpose in life. So talk to me about the prison service then, okay? Yeah. Um, so the the inmates, your peers, your colleagues, friends yeah. there. You yeah. know, they knew you as Jess. Yeah, and it's quite. I, look, I've never been into a prison, right? Um, thankfully, and I plan not to. And But I imagine, by looking at programs, documentaries, yeah. films, etc., and what people have told me, it, you know, quite quite a tough environment, you know, yeah. and if there's any kind of weakness, physically, emotionally, your mindset, yeah. they might pick up on that and might destroy you. You know, it, it can be kind of like that. Um, so to go from Jess now to Jackson, I can tell, I could, uh, it's, empathize with you where you were coming from like I don't think I can go back there because to be honest if something happened to me not even that extreme like transitioning I would feel a bit like I'll know the inmates are going to pick up on on, on maybe a a perceived weakness and therefore you know my relationship with everybody is not going to be the same so how were they dealing with you treating you before as Jess as a female and how do they treat you as Jackson as a man now?
1: Um. So I was, I was, I was just for four years before I went off and, and I love the job. You know, it's, you're everything, you're everything to, to prisoners. You you know, you're the mom, you're the dad, you're the nurse, you're the fireman, you're the, you know, everything, you're you're the ambulance when they they overdose. absolutely everything. Um, and that's why I love it, because it is that challenge and it's that stimulation, and you, you are something different and you have to have that ability to, to adapt to every different situation. What type um, of
0: prison was it like, just before you carry on? Like um cat uh so,
1: so the prison I work in is a cat C and young offenders male.
0: And what type of uh, offences are they committing?
1: Um, in the general population, generally stuff like robberies, assaults, um, a lot of drug crime, things like that. Um, but they opened uh, a pipe unit which is what I work on in that establishment so that's called it stands for psychologically informed planned environment so it's a small unit only has 10 beds on it Um, but it it houses um, prisoners from all over the country um, for, for any crime really but a lot of them they have to fit a certain criteria. So a lot of them have got different aspects of personality disorder. Um, a lot of them are on sentences, life sentences or sentences where they, only, they, they don't do it anymore, but say they got sentenced for two years. It's called an IPP sentence. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but years ago they used to give out an IPP sentence. So say if someone committed something for, and got sentenced two years, but they got an IPP sentence, which means you can only get out dependent on your behavior and and whatnot so there's certain people and you know certain lads on my wing now who got got sentenced 15 years ago for two years and they're still in because they've they've sort of gone off the rails whether it was because of drugs or behavior or you know just give up basically or whatever and they've just had no chance of getting that you know they've not been able to do the courses that they require of them and things like that so this, they end up still in fifteen years later and think I need sort of life out just to get out of prison here. So the the wing I actually work on houses prisoners from you know from every background from from drug crime to arson to murder to whatever. Um, it just depends on that individual. Um, so for the first couple of years I was on the main wings and yeah, I've always had a I've always had a good a good relationship with the prisoners. You know, mm. I've always sort of met them on a level, I think. I'm that type of person where if, if you come at me and we'll have a laugh, then we'll have a laugh. And if you come at me for a fight, we'll have a fight. It, I was always like that as Jess. You know, it's it was kind of...
0: You had any fights in there?
1: Coming, not fights, restraints. Okay, fair <laughs> Co- Coming from the military, it, it, it does give you a good background to go into that kind of job because you have got that discipline and you have got that... You can sort of empathise with the, um, the prisoners when they struggle with with different changes because the military is very similar to the prison in that sense because you become so institutionalized. And that's why when people leave the military and people come out of prison, it's it, it's a very, very similar thing because you feel like you've lost your identity, you know, you've lost that structure, you've come from a place where you get up at this time, this is what you were, this is when you eat, this is who you're around, this is how you talk to people, this is what you do. And you, you lose that, that whole world so people don't know what to do with themselves um so going into that job i was always i could always have a conversation because i always i've always seen people as people they're just humans you know any one of us could end up in prison tomorrow mm. it's um and i certainly have never judged anyone on based on their offense i know i wouldn't have even looked unless mm. i had to on why they were in um and it, you know it's somewhere that you have to be every day. So so my mindset was I don't want to be miserable every day. I don't want to be arguing all day every day. I've got I spend more time here than I do at home. Yeah. Um. And it, so it can be a place where you can have great banter and have a laugh and whatever else. But on the other end of on the other hand, it can be the most volatile place in the world. And so you, you get a mixture. You know, I, I got a lot of respect, but I got a lot of abuse. As as Jess, you know, when when you are. A gay woman in a male establishment like that and you are not afraid to say no or have those you know little arguments or you know tell someone that they're they're bang out of order or whatever it it, obviously it gets people's back up and so they do instantly in a prison environment if you have a weakness that is the go-to abuse so if you're, you know, a female prison officer, it's, you're, you're a slag. If for me it was, you know, your dyke, your whatever else it's, it, it, they would pick something. There was always be something, you know, in my case now, if I, if I pissed somebody off, then the go-to would probably be, oh, you, you're trying or whatever it's, it's, that's what it is. The people go, people go for the, mm. for the weak point, don't they? But not everybody, you know, I can't put everyone in the same boat, but when I was, when I was Jess, yeah, in those situations, yeah, I did get a lot of abuse in that sense, but that it was a, not expected, but that was just the type of abuse that I got because of who I was, sort of thing. You know, mm. like like I said, if you're a female you get you get another word. If you're mm. this, you get another word. Um so it's kind of always been quite a balance with me, you know. I'm I've always got on with a lot of them. I've I've not got on with a lot of them. Yeah. But I would always, always be straight down the line and the worst thing you can do in, in the prison is promise a, promise someone something and not do it for them.
0: Yeah, right. So uh, like I wanna ask questions as if I was my own, well probably not as young as my son, but as the kid version of me, like yeah. literally, because I've again I've never spoken to anyone who's done this transition. Okay, so let's start with the name, right? Jackson. Yeah. Why not Fred? Why not? <laughs> why not Chris? Why not Joe? Why why, why Jackson? Why, where's that name come from?
1: So it took me a long time to figure out a name. Um, and it's still the
0: same surname, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, it took me a long time to figure out a name, but I realized that um, I, it's actually quite funny because the, <laughs> the name that I was quite fond of, and it's horrendous now, but I think about it. And I said to him, I went, I think I'm going to call myself Rex. And, and my mum and dad went absolutely ballistic. Like, that's a dog's name. You're not having that. He's not, not doing that. And I don't even know where I got it from at the time, but I was just sort of going around a million different names. And uh, and I mentioned this one name and they went absolutely ballistic. But in that moment, I realized how important it was for them. And I thought about it and I thought they chose my name. They they chose the child's mm. name. And I wanted to, for that reason, I wanted to keep the J. Um and then my initials wouldn't change, and you know, yeah, it makes sense. Little things like mum's got this necklace of like with with man and my siblings' initials on and stuff like that. So I wanted to make, I wanted to keep the J. And then have you ever watched Sons of Anarchy? No. So the main character on that is is called um, Jax, and I just I just watched that series and I, and I loved the name. So I, I sort of just thought, well, I'll just start calling myself that. And and my ex partner at the time thought, just start calling me that, and and she did, and. I spoke to my mum about it, and I kind of involved them in the in the conversation, basically. And, yeah. And that was kind of how it came about. But, I, I, yeah, I, I wanted I wanted something a little bit unique, so that's why I went with the ex. Okay. But, um, and then my middle name, I put, um, I made my mum's maiden name. Okay. So, I, I, I had both my mum and dad's name, and then the name that I'd chosen.
0: Okay. So, so the, the, I
1: mean, it must be
0: quite exciting and quite, yeah. Like I don't even know what the word is, but like you're redesigning yourself. Yeah. Because the bit of kind of jovial uh, answer you gave me when I said about your age, twenty eight, you went, "No, I'm actually one." Yeah. Because <laughs> you have started again as, as 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 Jackson, and you can you have, you know, you, you 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 have started almost life again, but you've bought some experiences with yeah. you, I guess. Um, so like the obvious ones then, Jess didn't have all these tattoos. Yeah, she did. She did have all these tattoos. Yeah. Everything. Uh, no. Um, was, was that, was that part of the plan as Jackson or was that just because you like tattoos as Jess, as well as Jackson?
1: Yeah. I've, I've always loved tattoos. Um, the, my first sleeve. So I had the sleeve, I had the sleeve as Jess. I didn't have the, this, um, or my hand on my neck. Okay. So I kind of um, grew a bit more of a backbone as Jax against my mom, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I had the, I had the sleeve, and it was it was all very very like meaningful things, and I even had so when I came out as gay when I was twenty, I was I was sat round my dining room table crying, and my, I was my sister was squeezing my arm, my hand, and uh, she took a picture of us holding hands, and I had it tattooed on me. That's cool because at the time that was a a really significant time you know for me in my life and um so everything on my on this leave has been sort of part of part of the journey and i think a lot of that was because i was trying to get through something yeah um i was trying to motivate myself and get through a lot so if i if i went through this whole sleeve, I'd probably end up in tears because it was just different things that's ended up happening or different words and, you know, things like that. Um, So I've always loved tattoos. I always planned on on getting tattoos, but I always felt very restricted as a a female. Um, Not that I believe you should be as a female, but personally, I felt like I couldn't really embrace how much I loved tattoos because I was a female and there is that slight difference element of it and yeah. you know, you you have to think about your career and, and what you're gonna do and everything else. So it does seem
0: like well, especially where I'm from, which is London, you know, you see a lot of fellas with her who do have a lot of tattoos and it's kind yeah. of like, so what? Like yeah, yeah. but if you saw a female, I do know a few females got a lot of tattoos, but it's very rare. Like it's like Yeah. Oh wow, she's like she's right out there with her tattoos, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. So it, it, there is still that stigma of it. And yeah. it, and um and I I sort of I, I wanted more, but I was I was apprehensive as Jess and then as obviously when I came out it was my chance to change my image and yeah. and embrace who I was and the first thing I did was get a tattoo on my neck. Yeah. And obviously again, hurt? my mum and dad went absolutely ballistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was five hours of hell. But but worth it though, like it's it's my most special, you know, um tattoo because i think the the but the butterfly for me represents a transition yeah. and represents what that what a butterfly has to go through to get to that point of being so beautiful so yeah but but instantly it changed my image and i feel like it it made me jacks if that makes sense you yeah. know it, i got it as soon as i started testosterone and i and i i just felt like i was like oh yeah so you
0: made the decision a couple of years ago, and then I think on some of your YouTube videos that I heard about the what tw- you, you re- referenced a 12 month kind of transition. Um, now that's not all just psychological, that's no. that's the physical aspect of it. You just mentioned about taking testosterone, so talk to me about the physical side like is it injecting testosterone, taking tablets, yes, yeah. and then and then and then when does the surgery come into
1: it? Um, so a lot of people, when they talk, when they think about transition, they think um, people ask a question. And a lot of this is, is why I'm trying to put this information out there because it is so. there's so much lack of understanding and lack of knowledge. And I didn't know half of it before I even started to transition. So no wonder nobody else, because if it doesn't affect your life directly, you've not got a clue and, and you would just turn a blind eye to it. But um, yeah, so I take a, uh, an injection of testosterone every week. Um, so what they do is they they measure your testosterone levels and then try and get them to a point where, um, say, a 27-year-old male males would be, um, depending on how much your body produces and, and whatever else. So to begin a gender, a gender transition to go through the NHS, there's probably over a three-year waiting list on the NHS just to see a psychologist to be assessed to get diagnosed with gender dysphoria before you can then even be referred to see somebody about taking hormones so that in itself will make people kill themselves because you that is like it's it's horrendous, you know. You people, for me looking at that, I was like, I can't wait that long. I can't. I've tried. I've just come to the point where I'm ready to do this, and I'm going to sit here and wait another three, four years. It's so that is is scary that there isn't enough yet to get people moving quicker. Um, so I was fortunate enough to say, save money and go go private. So I went um, with a company called Gendica. And it still took me about 10 months to get an appointment um, with a with a, a psychiatrist. And then what they do is I had, like, about a two-hour conversation with him about, about me, about my life, about what I understood about, about gender and transitioning and all those things. And they kind of then assess where you're at, if you really understand what you're saying, if you really understand how you feel and what you want, and, you know, to try and assess whether you need counseling or whether you're ready to do this or whatever else, because like you said, some people could make their own decision or they could have been influenced by someone else or all sorts of things. So, um, he was happy that I knew what I was talking about and what I wanted and I understand mm. what changes it would bring and, and whatever. So then, so he then referred me to an endocrinologist who looks into your hormones and whatever else. So then you have, a, you have then you have a consultation with them um like a while months later. So then they talk to you about the similar things if you understand what it's going to do to your body and if you're sure and how you wanted to take testosterone and things like that. So you can take it in a gel in um like a slow release injection, which is like every few months, and one that sort of gets into your system quicker, and you can take it initially it was once a month. Um so that's what I talk. And so now, because they've been measuring my levels at the moment, I take an injection every week. Um and it takes about for the first six or seven months you don't really see much different. Um but once you do start taking them, the 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 effects of testosterone are irreversible. So that's why it's it's quite it's 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 probably more difficult physically for a male to transition to female because once you've gone through that that male puberty it's you can't reverse the the voice drop or the square jaw or the facial hair or the bigger bone density and things like that 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 testosterone brings you can't reverse that whereas Mm. if i stopped taking testosterone now my female hormones would take over but i just wouldn't be able to change my voice back or stop growing and you know her in places that men do or you know things like that so You've just got, they've just got to make sure you understand everything that's going to happen to your body. Um, so about the six or seven month mark, and you start sort of noticing little bits of different difference. So at that point, that is where my period stopped. Um, so that's like obviously different for each person, and then your voice just starts to like it, it. Basically, going through a male puberty. I'm basically in a moment now where I'm where I'm a teenage boy for a couple of years. Um, so I'm about 18 months into it now. So, um, but yeah, it's different for everybody. Some people, you know, will wake up with a full beard and, and whatever else, but the effects of it is like, I find it fascinating. You know, it's women, it redistributes the fat around your body and things that you wouldn't even realize happen. So females hold their fat on the the hips and the thighs and male males predominantly hold it on the stomach. So over time. It, it redistributes all of that so the shape of my whole body is completely different you know whether that's not having as much as a, of a bum or having thinner legs or you know i walk around now and say to my brother like i've got heavier legs than you now you know and but for me i'm tough with that because it's something that you know um my beard's not my beard's still trying but you know it's not there yet but um
0: is that the goal to grow a beard
1: just a little bit of stubble, just a little bit of stubble, nothing major. But, you know, just, it, it's tiny things like that that obviously is a big deal for me because it's something that I look at now and I think, oh, I've always wanted that. But
0: Do you know like when, I don't know, like hair on the legs or more on the arms or the voice drop or when you do eventually have stuff coming through on your face, you know, the, the, the hair, when you've gone, you know, you said it was gradual, but there must have been a day where you're like, oh my God, this is, this is, I like, I am transitioning massively yeah. here. You know, like what, what comes to mind, and this is the child in me again, you know, like Wolverine at the X Men. Yeah. Like suddenly the, the spikes <laughs> yeah, come out yeah, of his yeah, hand, yeah. and now he feels superhuman. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. who he truly is. Yeah. Is a bit like that? You feel like yeah, a, bit I think, of a superhero version of yourself?
1: Yeah, I do now. I'm, I'm getting there now. So it, it probably took about eight or nine months before I started to really feel like something was changing. Um, so for the last six months, I've, I've felt brilliant because I've started to look in the mirror or, or look at pictures and think, oh, I'm changing. My, my, the shape of my face has changed. Or, you know, obviously there's like more hair on my face or, you know, every time someone sees me who's not seen me for a while, they're like, bloody hell, your voice has changed and thing, you know, things like that. So now over the last six months, I feel like I'm finally coming out of that stage where I'm, I'm. I was still looking like Jess, and I was still looking quite feminine and, and being misgendered and, and getting called a woman quite a lot. Whereas now, I've, I very, very rarely, you know, get get called or mistaken for being yeah. a female.
0: I know you put it on uh, your socials about Miami. Yeah. You know, now rather than having breasts, you've got chest. Yeah. Um, so I want to just talk about the obvious that, and it also going from <laughs> vagina to yeah penis, like. That for me again is a conversation I felt I would probably never have with anybody. <laughs> I cause... mean,
1: I haven't had that done, but yeah.
0: Okay, so um, so is that planned next?
1: Um, I don't know. It's so because
0: this is this is another thing that I'm fascinated with. Like you mentioned, you're gay, as Jess. <laughs> yeah. So I assume you still like women. Yeah. You do, yeah. Because then I thought to myself, if you now like. Men, it's just like, how does that all work? <laughs> no, I hope
1: and, I don't like men because if I come out gay again, yeah. my mum and dad's head is going to fall off. It's
0: just, it's just <laughs> quite crazy. But then, 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 if you did have penis rather than the vagina, how does that all work? Because, yeah, that people do go through that transition where they fully transition to that side yeah. of stuff, yeah. So, how come you've not thought about So, so I've got a million
1: that? different answers here to answer all, the, all those questions, um, because I don't want to miss telling you something, um. Right.
0: So start with the chest because you've put that out there. Yeah. So yeah, you you, uh, take it off the breasts. Yeah. Got got just a I don't even know if I'm giving the right description. So forgive me if it's coming coming across a bit. (laughs) But you've gone from breast to chest. Yeah. Yeah. um, Why did you choose to do that then? Yeah. Because you you said you you haven't changed everything. So why did you choose to do to do that part?
1: So for me, the, um, the chest surgery was the most important thing. You know, it's the, something that, that was holding me back so much, um, because it does make you so conscious of it and it's a massive giveaway and it, it can put you in dangerous situations obviously as well. Like, you know, if you, if you, if you don't, if you're in a place where you don't want people to know straight away or whatever, you never know you're around. So, um, and I was taping them down a lot with, um, you know, like the strong K- uh, like KT tape? I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. So yeah, so I, I was like off. taping them down, so it, it was obviously like stretching them a lot anyway, but, and I'd leave <clears> that on for about four or five days, and then I would be covered in like blisters and burns from taking it off and then putting it back on and... It was really, un- like, and you could, or you could wear a binder, which is, like, a really, really tight sports bra to, like, flatten it. But, obviously, that's massively uncomfortable and it restricts your breathing and your and ribs and, and stuff like that. So the things you put yourself through just to feel, you know, gender euphoric is unreal. But, um, yeah, so the, the chest thing was massive because all I've ever wanted was to feel my T-shirt on my chest or be able to take my top off in the sun or, you know, if I was ever going to go on holiday... I didn't want to be walking around with a t-shirt on and I would never take my shirt off with tape rest. For me, I couldn't do that. You know, some trans men can do that. Um, so it was just, it, it was just a life changing and life saving surgery for me because it was, it was something so important. And for me, if I, if I had that done and nothing else, I would, I would be so much happier than I was that that's what was important. And it could have, it, it could have cost me all the money in the world. I would have, I would have gone and done it, but obviously initially my mum and dad were quite worried that I'd chosen to go all the way to America to have it done and didn't really understand at the beginning why I wanted to go to that certain surgeon, but I'd, I'd, I'd researched into it for the, about 18 months and I, I I really wanted to go to a surgeon who understood the importance of the aesthetics of your chest and... um. Because you know, a lot of surgeons will just cut you straight through the middle and leave you with no nipples and, and not you know, just take the breast out and that it's simple to take the breast mm. out. Whereas for me, I've always been into my fitness and I've always appreciated the aesthetics of a, you know, an athletic physique and I wasn't gonna go through all of this trauma to have a body I still didn't love. Yeah. Um and so when I spoke to her, she understood how important it was to to put those incisions and you know, underneath your pet muscles, so that they'd sit nicely. And as much as I build build my chest muscle up now, they, they'll sit nicely under that, and they'll eventually won't even see them at all. So that was so important for me because, you know, I would love to to model or to go into different things and and show a trans body as. As just human body, and you know, and, yeah. and sort of do those things. So I didn't want to end up with something I really wasn't happy with. Um, so it was just the most important thing for me to do, to to come out and and to have a chest that I was proud of and that I loved and that I could look in the mirror and go, oh my god, yeah, thank God they're off me. Yeah. So that's that's why. So that was the most important you,
0: thing. You, you, you mentioned about the cost. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it must have been a gradual thing, and you've gone private. So,
1: how much does it cost you so far? Um, so the private um, consultant appointments cost around six, seven hundred pound each for going on hormones and stuff, and getting diagnosed with gender dysphoria and whatnot. And then the surgery in Miami cost me ten grand, wow. and then obviously. A few grand to go and I, I took my sister as well because i, I wanted someone there and or, you know she's been by my side through everything and so i, I paid for her to come with me as well because i was asking that of her um so probably in total i'm probably up to about 15 grand of
0: course not a, not a cheap but, uh, decision either no
1: but i'm alive and that's, yeah listen that's you can't, what
0: you know the other saying is you can't put a price on hell yeah and that's and, what I always say
1: you know, say to myself and I mean, yeah. my, my friends say to me when I'm like I've never been a skint like yeah but you're alive
0: yeah and you're <laughs> happy <Yeah. laughs> so I, I do I am inquisitive here and I feel a bit uncomfortable because I feel like it's, so, I'm, it's I'm okay take, Honestly, liberties. no it's I, okay I need to ask
1: it's okay so why not the last part so when people think about about transitioning people think and not often people ask people are have you fully transitioned are you fully transitioning and really that's it's not that doesn't really exist and and some people might get offended by that you know some trans people might get offended by that because some some trans people choose to um just transition and identify as a different gender, but not change any of the body yeah. or some decide to just change the chest or some decide to just change everything or some decide to not take hormones or just take hormones or so a transition from one gender to another doesn't always mean completely transitioning every everywhere sort of thing. Um, which I think is important to sort of tell people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it it's something that I would like to do in the future but it's not where it needs to be yet. Okay. I certainly don't, it it involves at the minute for female to male surgery like that. It's, it involves a massive skin graft, several surgeries, a hell of a lot of recovery, massive risk of, you know, losing all feeling completely and, or it not working. And all of these things that when I look at it, it's definitely not something I can afford now anyway, but um, it, it it would put a hell of a lot on my life that isn't really worth it right now if that makes sense right. um so whether it's something i'll end up doing or not i, I don't know but I, I think that it would give me a lot of um reassurance and, and fulfillment in myself if i were to have it done but i would only ever have it done correctly and you know if it was at the at the point where i was i thought right this is worth doing yeah um because it just holds so much risk and obviously it holds putting your life on hold for a long time and you know you have a skin graft all the up your arm and have to retrain your hand to know how to move and all this risk and and being off work and if i look at it now it's just not worth the the mental trauma of any of that Mm. um there's there's ways and means of of, you know living your life without that so yeah for right now it's it's not something that i'm immediately thinking about did you
0: say you're single at the moment yeah right so i've like, i'm i'm married right and i've been married for i've been with my missus for like 14 years yeah so i've never been on things like tinder never been on things <laughs> like a, a, any of these things so i don't even yeah. know how they work but i would imagine if i'm filling out what the kind of person i'm trying to go after right yeah um you know, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, I love this conversation. Right? It really is. So I'm, I'm going after a bird, tick, <laughs> who's always been a bird, right? That's that's number one. And then two, I don't know, dark hair, blonde hair, I don't know, maybe, you know, there's there's loads of things that I'm going to go for. And, and I would say that's most men that I know, most of my friends who are fellas we probably would have like a, quite a similar profile yeah. who we would go after. Yeah. Um, but like having someone to say right I want to go for someone who is a man <laughs> loads <Yeah>. of tattoos <laughs> but also not, I don't think they would put something down that like, used to be a female but has part, female parts still do you know what I mean? It's fucking complicated, Jackson. It's unrespectful conversation. No, it's
1: not, it's not. And and this is why I've always said to everyone, like, it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to ask me questions, you know, as long as as long as no one's ever malicious towards me, I will talk about anything because yeah. like I said to you before, if we don't have these conversations, how's anyone gonna learn yeah. anything? So um, obviously I get what you mean because initially that's why I was absolutely terrified and thought no one's you're, ever going to want to be with me again You're, you're. I'm an what, alien
0: it's like what I say about what we do here like we're in the art market but we're in a niche you're in a niche <laughs> yeah. you are yeah. Like, yeah.
1: It, it, I'm going to start know. saying that yeah I'm a niche yeah Um. Yeah, so it, it was a massive fear of mine and what I've realised over the last don't get me wrong you know I'm still only at the beginning of this and I, I still have massive insecurities when it comes to that and a massive worries and and you know I'm not I'm not the most confident in that aspect. But um, what I have realized over the last year with the people who I've been around, you know, whether that's friends or people who have um, had like brief, you know, relationships or encounters with or whatever, is that a lot of people who know me now have have um, opened the mind, yeah, just through knowing somebody, yeah. Um, because I think if you don't know anybody, so for example, if you lined up, you know, 20 straight women and asked all of them, would they go with, would they be with a trans man? Um, and it's nothing against them and they're not doing anything wrong, but the majority of them would say no, you know, because they would think, oh, like, like say, because I've not had bottom surgery, they'd think about and go, well, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. But through people being in my life, um, you know, friends and, and people I've dated, they've all said to me, you know, a one hundred percent word now, because, you know, I I know you and I know that it doesn't actually, it 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 goes out the window. It's it's strange. It's someone said to me who who I, who I dated um a while ago since going through all this. She was like, I've realized that it's not the biology that you're actually attracted to, it's, it's the, it's the, it is the gender identity because when you've got that connection with someone or you have feelings for someone or you have that sexual chemistry or or whatever, it it does go out the window and it became more of a problem for me than them. You Mm. know, I was like, well, especially before I'd had surgery, I was like, well, are you sure? Are you, you know, really uncomfortable for me? But for them, they were like, I don't care. It's, you know, I'm attracted to a man you know, you identify as a man, you look male, you present male, you you know, your body language is male, you act male, all of these things is male. And that's what I'm attracted to. I don't look at someone and and go, oh yeah, you know, he's got a penis. I'll I'll go with him. Mm. It's, it's, and I think obviously, you know, some people they, they just downright wouldn't be able to, but if you've got that connection with someone or, you know, my friends have said to me, you know, 100% just because, you know, you're dead fit now. That's basically what they say because it's, it's um it's just that either it's there or it's not it's 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 something it's i wouldn't say it's the person but it's it's the it's the identity so when people say to me "Does it make me gay or straight if i fancy you well it still makes you a straight woman because are you attracted to men yes do you see me as a man yes you know do i do i present as male is that what you're attracted to yeah so when you've got that it it goes out the window for people and that has shocked me more than anybody else because it's me then who ends up feeling really, really uncomfortable and, and them reassuring me. Yeah.
0: I, I totally hear that. I totally hear that. I, I would imagine in the future as time goes on, it's almost like you're going to, I don't know, you find your own rhythm with, with it yeah. all. But like, do you know, like when females come over to you, is it almost like you have to tell them straight away? Cause I don't know, like, if I was in your position, I'd be like, maybe me would be like, I've got to tell them straight away just to kind of, if they're not interested, get it out the way straight (laughs) away. Or do you, like, try and get to know them, you know, form this bond, but then at the last minute you've got to kind of... I mean, Um, maybe I'm thinking about this the wrong way, but it's almost like you're... Do you have to, like, be transparent from the get-go but then almost why should you because you have transitioned yeah. it's like it's a tough it's a tough one
1: yeah it is and it's it's and i get abused about that quite a bit on on social media and stuff um you know people comment and go oh, i hope you know i hope you tell girls in clubs i hope you do this i hope you do that and whatever else but because i can just on that note i can i can i can
0: slightly see
1: yeah
0: where they're coming from because it's almost like Again, this is me being a bit naive, and now we've had this conversation. i totally like understand mm. your position and the education behind it. I totally get yeah. it, I totally get it. But then people might deem it as being a bit unfair to like say, Yeah, I, I am a male, which you are, but then yeah, the yeah, last yeah. part hasn't taken place, and it's yeah. like you get into a bedroom and be like, "Oh, just by the way, yeah, and no. it's like, yeah, no, what, like that, like, yeah, it's, yeah." It, do you
1: know? Do you know the complications? Yeah, no, one hundred yeah. percent, and I would never do that. I've never been obviously in that situation. The people who, you know, I've only been in situations where I've I've like known people or I've got to know people who already knew. Um, but obviously, I'm quite open about it anyway, so um I, I wouldn't be shy about it. But in in that sense, I believe that you should only ever have to disclose something like that if you are literally about to go home with somebody or if you're about to be intimate. You know, yeah. if if you're just meeting somebody or having a chat or, or you know, you, you kiss someone in a club or whatever, it's, I'm not going to go around and go, yeah, hi, Jax. I, I'm Jax, I'm trans every time I meet someone. That's not what you should have to do. You know, you don't, you, I don't think you should have to do that. But if you're about to be in someone's intimate space and and be you know intimate in general, then I, then hundred percent. I think you should be honest. Yeah, and I would always be from from my view. But yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's hard, and it is it's one of the things that is difficult. It's
0: very very difficult. So one more sort of uh, scenario I'm, I'm building because you know, <laughs> like you mentioned, you was with someone, you made a decision to to yeah. to, to transition. So this is another complicated thing because if my wife turned around to me today and said, "Right, yeah. Steve, I'm gonna, I'm now gonna become a man," yeah, and the reverse of Michael Jackson, for example, I'm, I'm doing a completely 180. I'm going <laughs> a completely different way. I'm not only gonna be a man, but I'm gonna turn into a black man, for example. Yeah, yeah. and I, it, like, if she's honestly felt like that and had to do it, I'd be like, "Crack on, do that," but I just it would be very difficult from from what I'm attracted to right Mm. now and having two kids with her to then you're completely different. Like completely different. Very difficult. The race, the gender. Yeah. I I know the spirit inside is the same, but physically, and that's what the sexual chemistry is a lot of the time, it's the physical attraction and then it's the the spirit that you're yeah. attracted to. And that's them two components. Combined, yeah. Together.
1: It's to, it's both. Yeah, that's yeah, how you, both.
0: You, you bond that soulmate. But if she suddenly become, a, a, you know, a, an Asian male, a black male or whatever, it'll be like, I don't know if that would be, I'd be compatible yeah, to yeah, that. And yeah. I, is that, is that bad me thinking of it or, or am I just being real?
1: Yeah. No, you, you've got to be honest with yourself about, about everything. And, is it, and it was difficult you know so my the partner I was with when I when I went started to go through all of this um she had always identified as bisexual so when we were sort of going through this and whatever you know all credit to her in that aspect she got me to the point of admitting it and and embracing it and making it me feel okay about it and and all of that and she thought that she, it was nothing, you know, it was fine, you know, yeah, just transition, we'll be fine, you know, nothing will change, your soul's still the same, blah, 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 but as it, as it started to happen and become real, it, it took a massive toll on our relationship and we massively underestimated how much you had to grieve a person Mm. because she fell in love with Jess and, you know, wanted to be with Jess and Jess was the perfect woman for her and... She was attracted and loved Jess for all these reasons. And as much as she loved Jax as a person, he took Jess away. And it was, it, it was really deep to, to kind of try and work out what all of that was. And, and I struggled, obviously, a lot with it because I was so focused on trying to get through that. And then she was trying to figure out. Actually, this is having a massive effect on our life and our relationship. And actually, the dynamics are really different. And so, how do we act now? And does she need to be more feminine because I'm now masculine? And do it the whole dynamics of everything? You know, does the does the bedroom dynamic have to change? And do we? Do I need to dress differently? Does she need to dress differently? Do it? And all of that combined is just was just a massive big confusion. And I think. A very rare amount of people can get through that, but for us, she was not over Jess and could not get over Jess, and I was obviously the constant reminder of that, and in the end, it kind of just took, it it broke us, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was yeah we, we massively underestimated that you do have to grieve that person yeah. and i think she was grieving jess for a, a lot longer and i sort of had to move on with my life and i had to embrace jackson because she was so upset over jess it was making me think oh well do i need to be i was kind of like dampening down what i needed to be to try and be more feminine or to try and stay a bit like jess and eventually we both just realized like we're going in different directions here i need to do this and you need to do that. So mm. it, it did just sort of take its toll, but we tried, we you know, we tried with, with a hell of a lot, and, you know, there's different books and different people who've been through it and, and whatever else, but, yeah, it's massive. Because like you said, no matter how much you love your wife, if, if, if she suddenly changed and the image of her completely changed to a like different gender identity, a different, you know, it's going to be hard because that's not, Although you fell in love with her soul, that's not who, you know, you initially had that attraction to or who you pictured yourself being with or, you know, the the woman you saw on your wedding day or the, you know, all these things that you have, that you would have to grieve. And a lot of people, you know, may be able to get through it, you know, and and that that would, it depends on the person, doesn't it? And if, if Mm. you really are meant to be, then you will be, won't you? But Mm. um, in that situation, we, we wasn't. Do you like
0: reflect on that re- relationship and like kind of miss your ex partner?
1: Um, as a as a person, I suppose yeah yeah. But I look back on on my past relationships now, and as as much as I loved them all as people, I look now and I realise that I, I was just craving companionship. I just was terrified of being on my own, and I just wanted that reassurance that I'm okay or that. I'd, I just didn't want to be on my own. I, I just hate, hated being on my own because I, I was afraid of my own, my own thoughts. And so I think more than anything now, my past relationships have been a crave for just having someone there and mm. and loving them as a person. But them never really being quite right because I was never, I was never in it for the right reasons or you know having that real connection because I wasn't authentic to myself.
0: Yeah, understood. Understood. I do want to ask you something where uh, it's come up in the news quite frequently. It's about an athlete. You might know who I'm talking about Leah Thomas, who used to formerly be known as Will. What does she do? Well, she is a swimmer in America. Yeah. I think she's number one now. But I think as a man, previously she was like hundred and something, you know, right down the yeah. chain, and now she's converted over. And the only reason why I've mentioned it is because, again, when I'm doing my research, yeah, she comes up all the time, yeah, yeah, and it's a big debate, yeah, like, even on Wikipedia, Massive. they debate, they, it says on there, it's been a big debate for for some time, because I understand she's transitioned to a female. She was once a male. But the biological yeah. makeup, yeah. would you argue still a man?
1: Yeah, so there's. So obviously, like when i you know, I've like spoke to the prisoners and tried to like educate them or whatever. And the, obviously, there's a massive difference between sex and gender. So your biological sex that, that you're born. You can't. You can never ever change that. That's your biological sex. You know, I was assigned female at birth. That doesn't mean it's who I am. It means that's what I was assigned at birth. That's my biology. Um, and you can never never change that. Whereas, obviously, your gender identity is is who you are and what you want to be and whatever. And the the whole sport thing, I've never really let myself delve into because I, I'm torn. You know, I, even as a as a trans person, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult question because. When you do think about it, the biology of, of her, she was assigned male at birth and she's gone through a male puberty and and she's developed that, um, I
0: don't know the right words, but... It's like The bone density, as you mentioned earlier and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the,
1: the things that you can't reverse, you know, and although her hormones will be on... A f- um, A female level now and you know she won't have the levels of testosterone a man would have Mm. you can't change the fact that you know she may have that 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 whole different aspect of her biology so that is a difficult question because then you think i don't know but then certain women can can be built like you know biologically born women can be built like that so it it's I can't really answer that question because I, I'm on the fence myself. I yeah. don't.
0: And I know it's a bit, um, it's almost a little bit unfair me asking that question to you because just because you've gone through your own I feel like a bad trans
1: person <laughs> being on the fence. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I, I, I'm just, I have to be honest. And it's... it's yeah.
0: Because like... It's almost like I'm giving you all the responsibility for all the trans people out there (laughs) in the world to say, right, these people should be allowed to compete or not. But I just thought this is a perfect time to talk about it because it's so hot in the media and obviously we're having this conversation. I mean, look, I understand she's now a female, but there was a, you know, like as a man, she wasn't winning, he he wasn't at the time, she wasn't at the time winning all the races, but now she is and you can't ignore the fact that probably a big part of that was because yeah. she used to be a man and she's got all the power still as a man and the only way I can uh, the only small little kind of insight to that world n- not completely but I used to do tire boxing so i had done boxing tire boxing went back to boxing competed I got 16 fights and I've done a lot of sparring and there was a few females down my old gym who were world champion F- females they were female at birth and still mm. females now Fucking mustard, like very good. Tough, tough, tough women. But when I sparred them, they're technically better than me and they're kind of the same height. But I felt like the power was different. Yeah. You know, my power on their power. And I felt like, you know, if I had a fight with them, I wouldn't want to have a fight with them because they're fucking really, really good. But I feel like my power as a man would probably edge over it. And if they suddenly transitioned to a a, a man and they wanted to have a real fight with myself, Mm. I was still in the back of my mind thinking, well, the makeup is still the female, yeah. you know, and I'm, and I'm going to probably have the upper, upper hand now. And I've been looking at all the comments from the females who were competing in the same race, and they were even doing their own podium to say that we're not going to share the same podium with Leah now because, really, she was once a man. And it creates this massive yeah, debate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like And it's like, do should there be their own independent races? Because, yeah. like, the thing is... It, <laughs> No disrespect, if, if you went into a boxing match, now, if someone would say, give me your gut feeling, Steve, you know, if Jackson was going to fight someone the same capability but another man, I would be like, I feel like the man yeah. of birth would be have the upper hand, not yeah. because of their ability, because of their... The build. Their building, yeah. their strength. Yeah. That's just me being honest. Yeah. That's not me being prejudice no. or, or anything like that and I'm, I'm just being completely real and I wouldn't want someone to say yeah 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 no I'm gonna I'm gonna pump jacks so up up, going there going there going <laughs> there knowing that you you're probably gonna get hurt yeah and that's that's what it will come down to people will get seriously hurt yeah because of the inclusion side of things yeah does that make sense
1: yeah it's 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 so hard because you you know people shouldn't be banned from competing because they've had to do because they need to transition or or whatever but I hundred percent like get what you're saying. You know, there was the, there was the MMA fight as well, weren't there? When people were getting really, really hurt. But then, could could a, a, a biologically born female do the same? I, I just don't know. But I agree with you, though. The build, you know, you can't you can't fake or change a biological biological sex. And I'll probably get a world of of abuse off trans people for for saying these things. Yeah, but you know the, there is a difference between your sex and your gender and and the, set, the biological sex that you was assigned at birth that will always be that I would I will always be someone who was assigned female at birth regardless of anything else that's that doesn't doesn't mean it's who I am it doesn't mean I am a female it doesn't mean I identify as female or or anything else but when it comes to to physicality and and fighting or competing in sport and stuff it is. It's. It's a horrendous question, and a, I. don't know. I, th- I. think it's awful, but I, I don't know.
0: Because like, it's almost like where, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's like where, where, where do you draw the line with it? I know. You know. It. Re- like imagine science in the future, and I'm being a bit crazy and childlike here, Like here, but I know. You went to an ape, right? And the ape wanted to become a... a, a, I'm going, this is a crazy scenario, right? But fuck it, we're on this podcast and we're going to say what we want to say. So an ape wanted to become a human,
1: right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And an ape is known to be four to five times the strength of a human, yeah? But no, it it knew it wanted to become a human... The, 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 i love where the, this conversation yeah, going the 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 the, <laughs> the scientists or not scientists but like the doctors knew how to turn that ape into a real life human so yeah could talk could conversate could think like a human said right i want to now compete and i want to do boxing or mma <laughs> and suddenly started battering everybody it's not you could you could turn around and say oh yeah that human is just lucky well, no, because that fucking birth—it was—it was, yeah. it was a,
1: yeah. an ape that yeah. had four what or do, five. What did you times. talk about? Estate apes, ape, <laughs> apes and humans and boxes. <laughs> do
0: you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's almost like it's—it's it's like go, going from the inclusion to the logical side of of of, of life, and it's a, a hard hard balance. Yeah. But again, ultimately, I don't think you can get away from who that person was originally from a from a from a. a you know a makeup point of view
1: yeah yeah when when it yeah. comes to sport and and putting people in potential danger and things like that I, I think it needs to i think it needs to be massively you know magnified in the way they measure it and the way they look at, at, at you know maybe matching components or hormone levels and and build and all that, and weight maybe and all these things you know whether it would come down to to something where you could make it I think it's important to make it equal in all aspects, you know, everyone deserves to be in an equal position, regardless of whether you've been through a a transition or you've not, Yeah, you know, everyone is, is there and everyone should be on an equal footing. So how you can try and do that, you know, I I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, but there must be a way of, of making that 100% fair Mm. in some way. Yeah. You know, by looking at every aspect of a person's build, weight, ability, you know, strength, whatever, there must be something that you can adjust and go, right, if we do this, then that's for. Yeah. And I know it sounds daft, but you know, you get a three second head start because, you know, it's something as simple as something. There must be something where you can go, right, this is, we can make this equal where everyone can compete. But everything has to be measured because it's going to have to do something because there's only going to be more people. There's only going to be more people transitioning, more people having the courage yeah. to come out and, and live the truth, which they should and they should be able to to compete. And, and it, like you said, it, it shouldn't really be where you have to be in a separate category. Will it come to that? I, I don't know, but I think I think there, there could be a way of making it equal. I just think it needs to be really fine-tuned and really measured and, and you know stop talking about it. just make it equal do something Mm -hmm. and make it equal and then yeah no one could mourn then can they yeah um
0: so look uh i want to round off the conversation just talking about like what the next chapter holds for yourself jackson and anyone that is listening to this podcast who's going through you know (laughs) you know these these similar sort of thoughts feelings yeah Decisions that you went through or going through even still now like you know what is the advice like what do they do who do they talk to they're not obviously alone but they might feel alone you know they might feel they want to move to another country different part yeah. part of the country or different different part of the world because they feel like they're not included over here so yeah like in your own words like how can they help themselves by starting to discover like there is a new possibility for them
1: um <laughs> I think I think more th- the best advice that I can give anybody is and I, and I say it to everyone is you, you you have to live your truth you 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 can't get away from from that and you have to be willing to be have the courage to be vulnerable in a sense of I have to risk this being really bad because if I don't then I can't risk it being really good either mm. I have to put myself out there and I have to be brave with my life and and, and fight for my own happiness because it's it's way too short to just live an average life and' as, as scary as it is we have to do we have to do what frightens us because the I believe that true happiness is is on the other side of, of fear and doing the things that you really really don't want to do because anyone who is you know successful or extremely happy or you know whatever, they've been through a hell of a lot of shit before that to get to that point. And I think people tend not to look at that. They look at successful people and they'll look at people who have achieved all these things or, you know, people might even look at me now and the people who are around me and think, Oh, he's doing great. He's happy. Is this, is that, you know, like the butterfly, but you've, you fail to see the hell that came to go through that transition and achieve something mm-hmm. so great. So, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and, and be brave with your life in my opinion. Um, and, you know, look on the internet, look on YouTube, look on, on TikTok and in the media. And the, the, the trans stuff is definitely coming up. It's definitely not there yet. It's, it's kind of like where gay was 30 years ago. You know, it's, it's building. Um, but yeah, just look, just look and watch and educate yourself. and and definitely don't rush into anything, but use the support system around you and, and try and educate yourself and and those around you, because that is what it is. That's the biggest problem in life at the minute, the lack of education and the, the fear of people of making mistakes. And, um, but for me, well, I don't know. I'm, I want, I want to, to get, to continue to, to get my face out there and be visible and, um, Like I said, you know, I'd love, I'd love, I'd recently was in a film, like I did a little bit, a little bit of a a mental health film. So I'd like to carry on and do a bit more acting or some modeling or I'd love to write a book um, somehow to, to sort of give some, give people a survival guide or give people hope or give people something to say your life's worth living. You know, you can still have a life and a career and a relationship and a family and all these things. You don't have to give up. Yeah. So we'll see.
0: So, so five, ten years from now, Jackson doing modelling, uh, <laughs> maybe your own podcast.
1: Yeah, maybe. maybe. I love. Maybe I love maybe yeah, I love having these conversations. So maybe. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully, we can have another conversation at that point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely be interested over in the next five or ten years. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, definitely. You kind yeah. of answered what I always ask the guests at the end, which yeah. is my quote. My mantra is "be happy, never content." Yeah. So, Jackson, what does "be happy, never content" mean to you?
1: Yeah, don't settle. Never settle. Do what scares you, and uh, and find what you really want in life and live your truth. Good
0: stuff. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, Instagram JacksRiderFeeling TikTok Jackson. um and the documentary on YouTube that's under Jacks JacksRider alright yeah
0: top stuff Cheers. thank you very much for your thank time thank you very
1: much for having me
0: thank you for being an open yeah. book and thank you for reaching out and if you enjoyed this episode please go and follow Jackson yeah. please subscribe to my own YouTube my podcast everything else and um, share it with your friends and family in a way rem- remember to be happy never content thank yeah. you very
1: much thank you